You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that, you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command love each other. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Daniel Quinby is speaking today, so he's going to come. Thank you so much. That's a good word right there. I'm telling you, I'm excited about this message. This is probably my favorite passage in the whole Bible, so I'm excited to jump into it. If you don't know me, my name is Daniel, and I'm the Kyle pastor over at UNI. Um, and it's and yeah, so Chi Alpha is connected with the church here, so like you see these college students over here, they're from Chi Alpha for the most part, and yeah, so that's what I do with my full-time job. I uh, facilitate a Tuesday night service on campus. We meet in Lang Auditorium, if you know where that is, and we have a worship service. We invite you know, students from UNI to come and to encounter God, and then throughout the week, we have small groups as well, and obviously, we have the mission trip that's coming up this week. There's actually 23 of us going on that trip, so it's going to be an incredible time. And pray for me because I get nervous trying to get 23 people to or to another country. So just please pray for me. I get stressed out, so that'd be great. But uh, yeah, so that's what I do. If you don't know that, uh, so yeah, my favorite day of the year is coming up, and my favorite day of the year is Tax Day. Okay, April 15th is my favorite day of the year, and the reason for that is Tax Day is when I get my life back and my wife back. So uh, my wife's a public accountant, and, and from January, February, March, April, uh, she works about 60 hours a week, and we also have a five-month-old, so it's been pretty stressful around the Quimby house, if I'm honest. Uh, this weekend uh, was not a great weekend for me, as I had a mini breakdown, as I'm not seeing my wife at all, and I'm taking care of a five-month-old, and some men are probably very good at it. I'm just not that good at it. I feel like I get a little stressed out. Uh, it's just not my natural you know, skill set. I told Emily, I was like, I'd rather be what you're doing, you know, like working 60 hours, because I'm a task guy, like I like to work, I like to get stuff done, and I think she would do a lot better being with Jane on Friday and Saturdays, so that's kind of been my world right now, and, and the reason I share that is uh, for me and Emily, uh, to keep our relationship healthy during the season, we have to be very intentional, because for me, I'm a quality time guy, if you've heard of the five love languages, okay, so I need quality time, I need to stare at you in your eyes for hours to feel love, and uh, so on Saturday night, so last night, we took some time to do that. Uh, we went on a date. We, uh, we went to Olive Garden and to Captain Marvel. 
And I guess we didn't really stare at each other in the eyes during Captain Marvel, but uh, she slept on my shoulder as I watched the movie because uh, <laughs> she's so tired. Uh, but I share that to say that every, every relationship, if it's going to be healthy, needs to have communication and it needs to have time together. And the same thing applies to our relationship with God. If we want to have a healthy relationship with Jesus, we need to be with him. We have to be intentional about connecting with him and spending time in his presence. And let's face it, uh, something we all struggle with is to connect to God, who at times seems like some distant relative who we've heard about, we've heard stories, but we don't actually know him ourselves. Like we come to church, we hear about him, and we hear that he's great. But if we're honest, when we get by ourselves, we struggle to tune into him. We struggle to connect to him. And he just, he feels like someone who we know of, but uh, someone we don't actually know ourselves. And I think the reason for this, it's not because God doesn't want to spend time with us. It's not because God doesn't want to connect with us. Uh, the reality is, is God is waiting to connect with us. Like, like Jesus is waiting for us to tune into him. He wants to speak to us. He wants to reveal his heart to us. But for us, most times, we either are too lazy, if we're honest, to be intentional about spending time with him, or we don't know how to spend time with him. There's so many times I'm praying, if I'm honest, and I'm like, I don't even know if he hears me. I don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm just talking to myself. Have you ever felt that way before when you're praying? You just feel like you're talking to yourself. Okay, only me in this room. <laughs> but <laughs> I feel that way a lot. I feel like I'm just talking to myself. And, and uh, yeah, so either we're too lazy, and that's pretty, or pretty blunt, but it's true, or we don't know how to connect with God. So throughout all of church history, the church has had intentional habits and practices that the church practices to help us connect with God. Okay, there's things that the church has always done that's, that we say, hey, if you do these things, like these things will help you to tune in to Jesus and help you to hear his voice. So these are called spiritual disciplines. If you throw up the definition on the screen. So spiritual disciplines are habits that promote spiritual growth. And there's really two types of these disciplines, okay? There's positive and negative. So positive spiritual disciplines are those things we do to intentionally connect to God. These are the things we take up, like things like Bible reading, prayer, and worship, corporate worship. What we're doing today is a spiritual discipline. Coming to church is a discipline. It's not something you do just when you're feeling it. It's something you intentionally do every single week because you know that uh, something happens when you get in the presence of God with other people. Okay, so that's another thing we can do. Um, um, home groups would be a spiritual discipline. Attending home group every week would be a spiritual discipline. And if, and if we're honest, many of us failed to connect to God because we failed to intentionally do these things. We either just go to church when we feel like it. Okay, some people feeling convicted in here. I'm feeling convicted. If I wasn't a pastor, maybe I'd skip once in a while. I don't know. But I have to be here every week. I love church, but you know, sometimes you don't feel like coming, right? Or we skip our Bible reading in the morning, or we skip our prayer time. But there's also negative spiritual disciplines, and these are things that we put down, like things like fasting. So we say, hey, I, I'm going to take a break from eating sweets uh, for all of the Lent season. Or I'm going to take a break from Facebook for the Lent season. Or I'm going to take every Wednesday and say that I'm not going to uh, use any form of social media or Netflix or anything like that on Wednesdays. It could be anything. Fasting is just abstaining from something because, you know, when you abstain from that thing, it helps you to tune in to God. Um, another example of something that would be a negative uh, spiritual discipline would be uh, solitude, right? So getting quiet before the Lord, just sitting in silence, putting aside all the distractions, all right, so I want to give you some examples of, of spiritual disciplines, okay? And I put these into, like, like, the amount of time you do them. So if you put this up on the screen here, there's uh, 
hourly spiritual disciplines, okay? So you should be doing things intentionally every hour that helps you connect to God. So the best example I have of one of these is uh, these things called breath prayers, okay? So in church history, from the 4th century all the way to the 16th, or the 16th century, the church had these things called breath prayers. And, and breath prayers are simply, they're simply one sentence of, of seven uh, syllables that you pray every hour to connect with God. So an example would be, be, or be near me, Lord Jesus. Okay, so you just say that under your breath once an hour. You say, be, or be near me, Lord Jesus. It doesn't have to be like a ritual like that. Like you don't have to count and say, is it seven syllables? But the point is, is every hour you pray under your breath, you say, Jesus, come. Spirit of God, enliven my heart. Comfort me. Whatever you want to pray, but just intentionally. Maybe set a, or set a reminder in your phone and say, intentionally, every hour I'm going to pray to Jesus. Okay, that's an hourly discipline. A daily one, which, like, these are the ones that I love. I get really into the daily disciplines. Like, this is setting aside time each and every day to be with Jesus. So Bible reading and study, prayer time, um, personal worship time, solitude. These are things I would say you should do daily. And then there's weekly disciplines like church attendance and home groups and fasting. I encourage you to fast every Wednesday, come to prayer, be here, and fast a meal. Do that once a week. Uh, Sabbath would be something that could be a weekly discipline or should be a weekly discipline, which uh, doesn't have to be Sundays, but it's just a time that you set aside. Say, I'm not going to do any work on this day. And then another example would be evangelism. So pray, say, Jesus, give me an opportunity to share my faith every single week. Now, that's something you can't plan as much unless you just want to go out to Walmart, say, I'm going to share my faith. But pray and say, Jesus, can you put an opportunity before me to share my faith? And then a yearly discipline. Okay, so these apply really well right now because we're headed into Easter, right? Like Lent is a spiritual discipline. Easter is a spiritual discipline. You're taking time each year to reflect on on what Jesus did on the cross, right? And there could also be retreats. So maybe you take a personal retreat. Maybe you go on a retreat with your home group, just time away once a year. Or for us in Chi Alpha, we do a mission trip every year. Something I do every year, every spring break, I know I'm going on a mission trip. Do I always want to go? No, I don't. Because sometimes I want to stay home and just watch TV. But every year I intentionally do this spiritual discipline of going on a trip because I know that Jesus does something supernatural in my heart on these mission trips. Every year on Wednesday, I weep before the Lord. Something happens and God just like breaks my heart in the middle of the mission trip. And it's God's way of softening my heart every single year to get me uh, to, or to be back in a good place and centered with him and to have a soft heart. So those are some examples. And uh, yeah, so when we fail to practice these spiritual disciplines, these things that help us to connect to God and to grow in our relationship with him, uh, we naturally do not hear his voice. Okay, so if you don't do any of these things, you're not going to hear the voice of God. You're not going to feel connected to him. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to have a very dry spirituality. I promise you. Like the Christian faith will not be fun. It's not going to feel easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be something you don't want to do. You're not going to want to, you know, uh, read your Bible, go to church, whatever. If you're not doing these intentional habits, I promise you that uh, the Christian faith will be a drag. It's going to feel like a bunch of rules that you have to obey. So it's important to remember, though, that these spiritual disciplines are not obligations. It's not like God is, is sitting up in heaven saying, how many times has Daniel read his Bible this week? It's only three, so I don't like him this week. If he could get seven, then I would like him. No, God is not keeping a tally, okay? So it's important to know that. But these spiritual disciplines are invitations into a vibrant, healthy, robust spiritual life where you do everything out of joy. You do everything out of your relationship with Jesus. You're not forcing anything. You're not trying to pull up your bootstraps, but instead uh, the life of Christ is dwelling inside of you and working through you. 
That's the invitation. It's not an obligation. It's an invitation. And any Christian who chooses not to do the spiritual disciplines is just being foolish. You're trying to do the Christian faith without Jesus. You're trying to do it without actually being connected to him. It's absolutely crazy that so many of us, including myself, tried to do this at times. Jesus never intended for your relationship with him to be a roller coaster ride. Like, oh, we had a great church service this week. I'm feeling great. Okay, now I'm tired. I'm feeling crappy. I'm feeling great. I don't know if I'm supposed to say crappy in church. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling good. It's not supposed to be a roller coaster ride. It's supposed to be steady. It's supposed to be grounded. It's supposed to be built on these principles and these habits that you build into your daily life that help you stay connected to the vine, to Jesus. And then the vine works through you and brings joy and peace and all these things into your life. Okay, so in our book that uh, this whole series is based off of, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Pete Scazzaro talks about this idea. So he doesn't say spiritual disciplines. He says a rule of life, okay? And, and he defines it this way. He says a rule of life, very simply, is an intentional conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything we do. So I encourage you after this sermon today to sit down and write out a rule of life. Say, this is what I'm going to do hourly. This is what I'm going to do daily. This is what I'm going to do weekly. This is what I'm going to do yearly. Pete says, to be emotionally healthy, to be a healthy, whole Christian, we have to have a rule of life. We have to have these disciplines built into our life. So with that said, uh, we've been spending the last few weeks in this series, and it's based off that book, obviously, as I said. And I'm going to talk about this idea today, if you couldn't guess, like this idea of having a rule of life. You know, that really stood out to me as I read the book. It was funny. Nick was, you know, planning on doing this series. I didn't know it, but I read the book on my own, and then he said, I'm doing the series. I'm like, that's great. And he asked me if I'd preach one. I said, I definitely want to do that one if you're okay with it. So I'm going to talk about a rule of life. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because I've experienced the power of it. It took me 10 years after I was baptized in water to actually be a fruitful follower of Jesus. For 10 years, I struggled in my faith. For 10 years, I never read my Bible. I never prayed. I never did these intentional things. And I was frustrated. I just rode a roller coaster of emotions in my faith. I was addicted to so many different things. And then I came to college. I connected with Chi Alpha. And they began to teach me the importance of these disciplines. And I began to incorporate them in my life. And it took a while because, you know, disciplines are hard to really incorporate it in your life. I know, you know, the first time I started, I started reading the Bible, I planned on doing the Bible in a year. And it took me like three years. Okay? So it takes a while to get these habits built in. But as I started to build these habits into my life, my life transformed. I began I began bearing fruit. I began having power in my faith. And Jesus just supernaturally changed me. So that's why I want to talk about this today because I've experienced the power of it. Okay, so as you saw, our passage today comes from John chapter 15. And and John 15 is a part of a series of teachings called the Farewell Discourse that Jesus teaches in John 13 through 17. So it's called the Farewell Discourse because it's, you know, Jesus' Farewell Discourse. It's the thing he taught right before he was crucified. So here's what we know. Any teaching in between John 13 and 17 is vitally important because Jesus said, like, these are the last things I'm going to give my disciples before I leave. So when we read John 15, 1 through 17, we know that this passage is incredibly important for us if we're going to thrive in our faith. And Jesus talks about this idea. He says, remain in me and I in you. He says, if you don't remain in me, then you won't be able to bear fruit and you won't be able to be my disciples. Another word for remain is abide. Okay, some translations say, abide in me and I in you. And Dick Brogdon, who is an incredible missionary in our fellowship, he leads 
a huge missionary movement. He's uh, done a ton of study on this passage. He wrote his doctoral thesis on this passage. His whole life is about abiding with Jesus. And he said this about abiding in Jesus, what it means when Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. By abiding, John means two things. One, he means daily discipline, extended time in the presence of Jesus through prayer and through reading his word. And two, it's not just about having a little time set aside in the morning. It's also this all-day communion with Jesus. So that's what Dick thinks it means, and I tend to agree with him. I think remaining with Jesus is all about staying connected with him. Okay, so whatever it takes to connect with him, that's uh, what it means to, or to remain in him. And I think very practically, it does mean to spend time with Jesus each and every day and then to keep him at the forefront of your mind throughout the day. Okay, it's, it's this idea of continually obeying and walking with Jesus, hiding your life in him so he can work through you. Being with Christ all day long, not just saying, I'm going to be with Christ on Sundays and and during home group, but all day long, I'm going to commune with Christ. So here in John 15, Jesus is instructing his disciples to remain in him so, one, they can continue to actually follow him, okay, to continue to obey him and follow him and be his disciples, but, two, so that they can bear fruit. And when John talks about bearing fruit, what he means is making other disciples so that they can continue the movement that Jesus started. He said, if you're going to continue this thing, if you're going to take this movement from just a few people in Jerusalem all the way to Cedar Falls, Iowa, then you're going to have to connect yourself to me. Okay? And bear fruit can also mean to live the Christian life, to have Christian growth, all those things. But the idea is that if we're going to do this faith, if we're going to actually be followers and disciples of Jesus, we have to connect to the vine. Okay, So I hope I've made that clear. And now what I want to do for the rest of our time is try to capture your heart for this. It's try to motivate you to say, okay, I'm not just going to hear this message and say, yes, I agree. We should abide with Jesus. I want you to, or to be motivated to do it. I want you to see God's vision for us. So I'm going to give you four motivations to abide or four motivations to remain through spiritual disciplines. And they're found right in the text. Okay, so I'm going to start with verses 1 through 8. And there's a motivation here. So let's read it quick, and I'll give it to you. So Jesus says, I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Okay, so there's a picture that Jesus is drawing here. The Father's the gardener, Jesus is the vine, and the branches are the disciples, okay? Or branches are us. For those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, we're branches. And the fruit that we bear is the lives we live, as I talked about, or making other disciples. It's both of those things. In verse 2, Jesus says that every disciple of Jesus that does not bear fruit, the Father cuts off. Okay, what does that mean? That sounds very harsh. A better translation for this is the Father lifts up, okay? So it's this idea that the branch isn't getting sunlight, okay? Or the branch has fallen down, and the Father, the Father lifts up the branch and reconnects it to the vine and gets it in a position to get sunlight. So essentially what Jesus is saying, he's saying, if you don't abide in me, then the Father is going to try to get you in a position where you will start abiding in me, okay? And then uh, it says that for those that do bear fruit, that you'll be pruned. Pruned doesn't sound fun to me. I don't want to be pruned because pruned means disciplined, right? It means that you might have to suffer, that you might be tested. So the Father says that if you are bearing fruit, if you're connected to me and bearing fruit, I'm going to put you through certain situations to help you bear more fruit. So when I read this this week, I'm like, that explains why I've been going through all this stuff. 
The Father's trying to help me bear more fruit. So if you're bearing fruit and you're going through a hard time, take heart. That's what Jesus said is going to happen. All right? And then verse 3, he says, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And remain in me as I also remain in you. For no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So again, remain in me means to continue in a daily personal relationship with Jesus Christ, characterized by trust and obedience and prayer. Jesus says, you cannot hope to actually live the Christian life if you don't stay connected to me. You can't be fruitful if you're not spending time with me. Simply put, verse 5. Like, we could just read this verse and I could walk off the stage because it's so powerful. He says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. So, Here's the reality. If we're not spending time with Jesus, then we won't bear fruit. If you don't spend time with Jesus, you can't be a Christian is what he's saying. He's saying you can't be a fruitful Christian. It's not that God won't save you at the end. Like he might get you into heaven, but you're not going to live a powerful, robust Christian life that's full of the fruit of the Spirit. He's saying you have to spend time because relationships can only grow and prosper under the umbrella of extravagant time together. Okay? Like, how good of a relationship do you have with that person who you see in Caribou, and you drink your coffee on one corner, and they drink their coffee in the other corner, and you never talk? Probably not a very good relationship, right? But if you're spending time together, if you're being with one another, then the relationship develops. And the same thing applies to our Christian faith. Okay, verse 6. If you do not remain in me, then you are like a branch that's thrown away, and it withers, and such branches are picked up, and they're thrown into the fire, and are burned. Okay, this is where it actually gets scary. If you don't bear fruit, and the Father has attempted to lift you up and get you in a position to bear more fruit, and you still don't bear fruit because you still refuse to abide, then eventually you're not going to be able to continue in this faith. Can I tell you something this morning? The Christian faith is hard. It is so difficult. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do in some ways. And Jesus also says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But how is it easy? It's only easy when you connect with Jesus. If you try to follow the Bible on your own, you're doomed. You need the Holy Spirit working inside of you. If I didn't have the Holy Spirit, I could not do what I do on the campus. You know, just yesterday, I was discouraged. I was down. And I opened up my Bible, and I started to read. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart. And I felt energized. I felt pumped up for this morning. I'm like, I can do this again. And I promise you, I'll get discouraged again, probably next Saturday. It's been a long week. And then the Holy Spirit will move in my heart again. I'll be excited and ready to go. If you try to do it on your own, you're not going to be able to continue. And at some point, you're going to be like the branch that's thrown into the fire and burned. And that's not because God's throwing you into the fire. He's not judging you. It's because you're not going to be able to continue. You're not going to be able to continue to follow Jesus. Hey, verse 7, if you, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's a sweet promise, okay? That's all I'm going to say. And then verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear, or bear much fruit and showing yourself to be my disciples. Okay, so I told you I was going to give you a motivation. Here's your motivation to abide. Fruit. We should abide in Jesus or remain in Jesus because intimacy with him is the key to fruitfulness. Jesus is very clear. If you want to bear fruit, if you want to actually be a follower of him, you need to be with him. Again, bearing spiritual fruit means you are becoming like Christ and you're helping others become like Christ. Discipleship. Is all about becoming little Christ in the world, being little Jesuses, right? 
So you remain with Jesus because it helps you to be like Jesus and you help and helps you to make other little Jesuses. <laughs> John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So think of a branch on the ground trying to bear fruit all by itself. It doesn't work, right? It needs to be connected to the vine. But the beautiful thing is when a branch is connected to, or to the vine, it's not working. It's just sitting there, it's just being connected to the vine, and it naturally bears fruit. That's what the Christian life is all about, hiding yourself in Christ and letting him work through you. Naturally, the fruit will come as you connect with Jesus. All right, so I can't stress this enough. All of us need to do this because only through spending time with Jesus can we bear fruit. Okay, the second motivation is in verses 9 and 10, okay? As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, and now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Okay, motivation number two is love. Love. In verse 9, Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Think about that. Father God, the way that he has loved Christ for all of eternity, they've been serving and loving one another for all of eternity. In that same way, Jesus loves you. That should motivate us to want to be with him. That is off the charts, crazy love, right? If Jesus loves us that much, then we should want to be with him. Out of a response to his love, we should want to be with him. We, because think about it, if you're loved by someone and they just give everything for you, aren't you going to want to be with them and love them in return? Like, that's the idea. Sometimes people try to love on us and, you know, like they want to go on a date with us. We're like, uh-uh, I'm not interested in you, right, college students? You know, like sometimes that happens. But for the most part, if someone lays down their life for you, the king of the universe lays down his life for you, he gives everything for you, that should cause you to want to be with him. So the second motivation, very simply put, is love. In verse 10, he tells us how to remain in his love, too. He says we remain in his love by obeying him and actually doing what he says, by actually being his disciples and making other disciples. Obedience is a spiritual discipline. We, when we intentionally connect to Jesus through spiritual disciplines, we are being obedient as well, okay? So the way to remain in his love is to actually do what he says and be with him and be his disciples, We spend time with Jesus and we implement these practices uh, not because we want to earn his love. It's not because we're trying to prove anything, but because he loves us so much and we love him too. And all relationships that are full of love spend time together, right? That's what we're doing. We're just jumping into this love relationship with him. I pray that if you're having a tough time with spiritual disciplines, that you would just meditate on the love of God for you. That, that you would remind yourself of what Jesus did for you on the cross and that, that would compel you to say, I want to get with Jesus today. I want to be with him. This Jesus is worth being with. Think about when we put Netflix before Jesus. Think about that. Like we haven't read our Bibles and we watched 10 episodes of Netflix in one night. And I've done that before, okay, so I'm not judging you. I'm just saying think about that. That's crazy. It's crazy the trivial things we put before Christ. All these other things can come before him. All these other priorities can come before him. It proves that we don't actually love him, right? Because if you love someone, you're going to do whatever it takes to be with that person and to lay down your life for that person. All right, there's another reason, too, in, in verses 11 through 13, and uh, there's another motivator to abide with Christ. It says this, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So verse 10 just told us that, that when we keep Christ's commands, we remain in his love, okay? 
And then verse 11, he says, I'm telling you to keep my commands and to, and to remain in my love because I want you to be joyful. I want you to be joyful. And then he tells us what his command is. We see in verse 12. He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So the Father's command is that, or is that we would be like Jesus by loving him and loving other people. Just as, or just as Jesus loved us. And then in verse 13, we see Jesus' love defined. It says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down their life for their friends. Okay, so when we tie ourselves to Christ and we abide in him and obey him by loving the way he loves, then we're filled with overwhelming joy. It's the best way to live. So the third motivation is joy. If you're struggling this morning with depression or sadness, you're just not feeling like you're living the life you're meant to live, I encourage you to connect with Jesus. Because he says, I've told you these things so that you may be filled with joy. He says, when you have a relationship with me, when you let me work through you, I fill you with joy. Jesus does not ask us to spend time with him and to read our Bible so we can check off a box and say, I did my quiet time today. But instead, because he wants to fill us with joy. He does not want it to be a religious obligation. He wants it to be this thing we want to do, right? Because, because when we spend time with Christ, we get joy. I can read Leviticus and get filled with joy. I don't know how. It's a tough book to read. But sometimes the, the love of God will just fill me through showing me something in that passage. I encourage you to be with Jesus because it's the pathway to joy. Psalm, 16, or Psalm 1611 says this. It says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God is not after taking your pleasure away. He's not after making your life a drag. He wants to fill you with joy. He says, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. The best way to live is to live your life connected to Christ. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. The Christian life is the most joyful pathway we can take. And abiding with him is the most joyful thing we can do or the thing that can lead to the most joy. A few years ago, I had a student who had got just radically saved. He was doing drugs, like all that stuff, you know, partying, all that. And he got saved and, and was excited about Jesus, sharing his faith, all that stuff. And he got saved in September, okay, so it's like September 2015. And by December, he's fallen back into his old habits. He's frustrated. He's feeling down. And I ask him, I say, are you, are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you spending time with Jesus every day? He's like, well, no. You know, I thought I could just live off of this salvation experience, essentially. And I explained to him how to read his Bible, how to pray, how to... Uh, spend time with the Lord, and all of a sudden, he was able to continue what he was doing before. He was sharing his faith, like the drugs weren't an issue again, and he was growing in his faith. But the key is that he needed to learn how to be with Jesus on his own. He couldn't just live off of Chi Alpha services and church services. He needed to have an intentional daily discipline with the Lord, and it helped him to continue on. So I just want to say this morning, if you're struggling to have joy, if you're struggling to obey Jesus, just get with him. Be with him. Spend time with him. Incorporate these spiritual disciplines. All right, there's one more motivation. The fourth thing in verses 14 through 17. It says, you are my friends if you do what I command. If you do what Jesus commands, you'll be his friend. Okay? This is an expectation of Jesus that we obey him. With relationship with God comes responsibility. Okay? If you're going to be his friend, you should obey him. Verse 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. So Jesus, just get this, he calls us a friend. He doesn't call us a servant. He tells us what he's doing. That just blows my mind. 
Jesus, Son of God, calls you and I a friend. Okay, verse 16. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, there it is again, the Father will give to you. This is my command, love each other. Okay, last motivation is calling. Calling. We should remain in Jesus because of what he says about us, because he chose us, because he calls us his friends. Each and every one of us, every one of us in this room has an opportunity to be a friend of God, to be a friend of Christ. Each of us have the opportunity to be a part of his chosen people, the church, and carry out his mission in the world. We each can be called to be leaders in his kingdom and to make disciples of all nations. We can be co-laborers with Christ who work for the renewal of our city and for the renewal of the world. And there's no one who's exempt. Nobody's left out. This is who you were made to be. If you're wondering, God, what's your will for my life? God's will for your life is that you be his disciple and that you make other disciples. That's his will. In that spot, you'll find joy. But each of us are called, okay? So the question is not, are you called? It's not, are you chosen? The question is will you recognize that God has called you and will you answer the call of the king on your life? Will you be Jesus' friend and do what he says? Will you answer the call to bear fruit? If the answer is yes, then you need to know that abiding in Jesus is part of who you are. It's your calling. You're called to be with Christ and to help others be with him. To not be with Christ, to not remain in Jesus while calling yourself a Christian is to cut at your very identity. You're sinning against yourself because it's who you are. You're his chosen one. You're his friend. And friends spend time together. It's who you're made to be. So many of us settle for religion without relationship. Jesus did not come to get people to believe certain things about him. He came to make friends of us. He came to invite us into relationship. And when we do that, when we connect to Jesus, we go from being servants who are in the dark about what he's doing in the world, just blind servants who just obey him and, and say a few things and, and do what we're supposed to do to get into heaven. And then when we become, like when we start abiding with him, we become his friends who know what he's doing in the world. And we're partnering with him. We're his ambassadors on the earth. And we're helping spread the kingdom. We're helping bring the kingdom to earth. Our ear gets in tune with heaven and we start to bring heaven to earth through the way we live. But the only way this can happen is if we remain in Jesus, if we be with him through these spiritual disciplines. There is too big of a mission. There are too many people that are dying, spending eternity without God for us not to abide with Jesus, for us not to connect to him and to let him work through us. We get so distracted by all the things of the world. We get so distracted by all these trivial things that are not going to be eternal, and we miss out on hiding ourselves with Christ and letting him work and move through us so we can bring his kingdom to earth. Okay, so again, four motivations. If you need motivation to spend time with Jesus, four things. The first thing is fruit. The second thing is love. The third thing is joy. And the, and the fourth thing is calling. So to end today, I just want to give you a couple practical encouragements as you try to begin to incorporate these spiritual disciplines into your life, okay? And this is a process, okay? So just uh, remember that. If you have not done spiritual disciplines, get with your home group leader, get with Pastor Nate, get with me, and, and we can help you, okay? But here's, you know, five encouragements. The first thing is start small, okay? So if you've never read the Bible, do not start in Leviticus and say, I'm going to read 10 chapters a day. 
you're not going to last. You'll make it till Tuesday, probably, and you'll quit. So start small. I encourage you, if you've never read the Bible, to read one chapter of the Gospels every day and then journal something about it. Okay, so start small. If you've never fasted before, I encourage you, just say, I'm going to give up Netflix for Lent. Perfect time to give something up, a perfect time to fast. Okay, second thing is I promise you it's not going to be easy right away. It's going to be hard. It might take you three years to get through the one-year Bible plan. Like, that's my story. It's going to be hard, but I promise you that it's going to get better as you intentionally do these things. Habits take 66 days to form, okay? So it's going to take a while. It's going to be hard. It's going to, and there's going to be opposition, okay? The third thing is plan these in your schedules. Just like you have appointments with people who you care about, plan an appointment with Jesus every morning at 5 a.m. to 6.30 is my appointment with Jesus. Plan your appointment with Jesus. Put it in your calendar. Say, I'm going to be with Jesus. And then put a reminder in your phone. Say, every hour I'm going to pray a breath prayer. Be near me, Lord Jesus. Be near me, Lord Jesus. I'm going to come to fasting on Wednesdays. Whatever. Plan these things in your schedule. The fourth thing is invite accountability. So if you're in a home group, it's a perfect place to have accountability. Invite your home group leader to hold you accountable and to ask you how it's going. Every week they should ask you, hey, how's your time with Jesus going? And that's a place where you can confess and say, hey, I had a tough week. And then they can pray for you and then you can feel rejuvenated and strengthened and try again. All right. And the fifth thing is think long. Here's something we have to get. Spiritual disciplines are not just about today. Okay, I don't read my Bible for just for today. I read it because I want to be a different person 20 years from now than if I had not read it today. Because as we read it each and every year, as we go through it every year, there's new things that are revealed to us. Like just yesterday, I was reading in Numbers. There's something that was, like something I would have skipped over two years ago. But because I've read it before, I was like, okay, I know this is coming up. I need to really pay attention to this. Because I had seen it before, it was easier to see it again and to, and to notice what God was saying in there. So Galatians 6, 8 says this. It says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap, or will from the, from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit is going to from the Spirit reap eternal life. Okay, so the point is, if you watch Netflix every day, for three hours a day, for your whole life, you're going to reap that. Okay, you're sowing something when you do that. You're going to reap that. But if you read your Bible, if you spend time with Jesus and you fast, you're going to reap eternal life. The point is, think long. You're trying to reap something greater in the future. You may not feel it today. You may not get that emotional high the first time you read your Bible. But eventually, you're going to get closer and closer to the heart of God. His word's going to be put into your heart, and you're going to begin to know him better. All right? So to conclude, if you just bow your heads and close your eyes, I just want to pray as we conclude as a church can answer this call to, to connect with Jesus each and every day I promise you one we're going to be transformed but two our city is going to be transformed as the vine works through us and we bear fruit in our city so what I want you to do now is just in your own heart begin to think about those things that the spirit wants you to begin to incorporate so something I need to work on is fasting I'm already feeling convicted by my own message I need to fast more for you, maybe it's prayer, maybe it's Bible reading, maybe it's solitude, maybe you just have too much noise. Begin to think about those things that you can incorporate into your life to help you connect to the vine, all right? So if you have those things, I want to pray, and just pray for that thing in your heart. Say, Jesus, help me as I begin to try to connect with you, okay? So Jesus, we just ask you this morning to help us to be your followers, to be the branches who are connected to you and who bear fruit and who the Father prunes so we can bear more fruit. God, I pray that there be tremendous fruit that is born out of this church. God, I pray that out of this church we'd see our city come to know you.
God, I pray that we'd send out missionaries all around the world. God, I pray that we'd see other communities reach in Iowa. God, I pray that through a church that is committed to being with you, we would be able to see the world transform and our own hearts transform. So God, I pray as we begin to incorporate these spiritual disciplines, help us to do it. Encourage us when we're down. Put, or bring people into our lives who are going to encourage us when we need it. All right, Jesus, we love you so much. And we thank you for everything you're doing in this place.